0: Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. In today's episode, if you are a business mindset Fitness mindset, ready to get into an entrepreneurial mindset. This is the episode for you. In this episode, I sit down with Trevor. Now, Trevor is the owner and founder of Smashworks. He is seriously inspiring. He is a multiple time cancer survivor. He is such a beast and he has built a multi million dollar company from absolutely zero in the fitness niche between him and his wife. So let's dive into today's episode.
1: It's good to be here, by the way. It's fun. I mean, it was good we were wrapping off camera a little bit. They don't know any of this, but it's fun. You got a good story yourself. So if if you look at kind of how everything transpired, I mean, I was, I guess, once a doctor, always a doctor, right? But I I mean, I was a doctor, 23 years I've been a doc. I, I went through just regular life, build the build the money, build the life and and just think I'm going to plug away and in, in somebody else's business for the rest of my life. And I, I didn't like that. So I, I changed. So I, I tell people, listen, if you look in the mirror and who you see is not doing what you admire or living a life you admire, or they aren't who you admire, change it. You, you don't get to do this more than once. So change it. So I did. And I got lots of static for it. I had all kinds of people like, don't do that. You're risky. You shouldn't be doing this. And, and I'll explain what that all entails. But 18 years ago, I, I was uh, diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage 3B. They gave me nine months, a little less than nine months to live. And they said, there's nothing we can do. The typical Western medicine answer. And as a doctor from Western medicine, I knew exactly what they were doing. And they were like, you're, you're not going to make it. Your white count is off. Your, your red count. You, I mean, they gave me erythropoietin to cause you to make more red blood cells. I remember my face and my, my hips would ache, my flat bones, right? Because they produce uh, red blood cells. I would stay awake at night just aching because I was just cranking out so much. And it it wasn't working. And so I basically blew about a million dollars in three months because I was pissed off. I hated God. I hated my parents. I hated everybody. I was bitter. I was angry. And and I thought everything was against me and everybody else was lucky. I thought, how is it that somebody who is honestly like a shit bucket in their life, like they're just a dirtbag human being they get to live to be 100. How is that? And yet the guy who is... I generally felt and believed I'm a good person. I'm like helping people and I love people and I eat really well. I didn't even eat sugar, nothing. Like I didn't drink sugar, nothing. And all of a sudden I get this diagnosis and it was probably one of the most gut check, brutal things to hear somebody say, because everybody says what they would do until they're faced with the adversity and I, I know for a fact after everything we've been through, my wife and I, like we've been together almost eighteen years, she's my best friend. And it was that adversity and catastrophe introduce you to yourself. And when people go, I always know when somebody says, Oh bro, I would totally do that, I always you're full of shit. No, you wouldn't. As soon as I hear that, I go, No, you wouldn't. So what what ended up happening is I blew all this money, I hated life, my dad was a preacher, and I kept saying, God's trying to get me, God's trying to kill me. And my dad's like, dude, that's not how it works. And I'm like, I don't care. This is bullshit. I, I'm in my early thirties. There's no way I, I this is dumb. So one day i had had it. I was broke. I mean, flat broke. I had nothing. And I was sitting in my apartment and I mean, this cheap furniture, I had a board in my, a big giant piece of, of plywood in my couch. Cause it was such an old piece of shit that you'd sink into it just so I wouldn't sink into the couch and everything was junk. And, and I said, you know what? I was done. And I looked out my window and I said, you know what, God, you better give me a reason to be here because I'm going to end it. I'm going to do it myself. I'm not going to let you win. Because I thought if I died, God was winning. And so I said, I'll I'll do it myself. And I chambered around and I started crying and I fell asleep on my floor. And two days later, I met my wife, Brandy. And I knew when I saw her right away, I was like, I, I was in love with her. And when people go, how do you know? Honestly, I don't know. You just know. But I know that when I saw her, my heart and soul went, there you are. Like it was just, you, you can't explain it, but that was the reason why nothing worked out with anyone else. As soon as I met her, I knew it. And and it's, if people go, ah, bullshit, that's them. That's because you haven't found the right person. And they also haven't gone, they haven't gone all in on the person they're with, usually is the problem. And they're running a bandwidth or a dialogue, taking a bandwidth in their brain about all the things they can't share with their partner. Well, that costs you, right? That costs you so much. And so I, I met her and I'm sitting across the table from her at this, this restaurant. There's nobody in this restaurant. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I got to tell this woman that I have less than nine months. And I can't be that asshole that goes, hey, let's get involved. Let's start this really great life. Let's fall in love and deep dive into our future. While I know that they didn't give me a lot of time. That is the most selfish, shitty thing you can do. So I'm like, I can't do that. So the argument I had in my head, Nicole, was I got to take the chance of her getting up and walking away. And and I went, all right, let's do it. I said, Brandy, I got to tell you something. And she's like, is it about cancer? And I went, like, yeah, that's really wild. Yeah, same face you just made. I went, what? And so we all trained at the same gym. She was a trainer. And she said, yeah, people, they've been telling me that you're not doing so well. They've seen you like coughing up blood in the in the lockers and really sick and not doing so well. And I go, yeah, they didn't give me a lot of time. Really. So they gave me less than a year, less than nine months, to be honest. She didn't even blink. She goes, I don't care. She goes, I'll take two months. I'll take two years. She goes, I'll take two days. She goes, I want all your time. I'll take it. And I went, I started crying. And I'm like, holy shit. Three months later, we were engaged. Three months after that, we were married. And seven months after that, we had our first daughter. And all of these things that they said would never happen, right? Like if you just do the math, that's already longer than a year, more than they told me I would be. And she watched me go through chemo. She watched, like I used to come home with bruises, like huge bruises. I'd throw up in a Homer's bucket, right? From Home Depot. While she was building our baby, like it was just, I'd watch episodes of friends. I cut out everything negative in my life. I didn't talk to negative people. I, anybody that was like, should you, you should really do this. I'm like, I'm out. Don't even talk to me. I don't, I don't fucking want you in my life because you're so toxic. You're going to poison my thinking. And that whatever happens in the mind happens in the body. That's a fact. And when people go, I don't know about that. I go, cool. Go home, look at yourself in the eye, in the mirror and tell yourself you're going to die of a terminal disease every day. And they go, why would I do that? I go, Exactly because you believe it. Don't do stupid shit. Tell yourself good things, audit your circle, surround yourself with good people. Right. And so I I went through all that. We, we got through everything. And then about 21 months ago, now we came back from a trip and we were crushing it. Like if you've seen my wife, she's a beast. She is just a beast. And we're both, we both train all the time because, and people go, well, you know, you should, you should appreciate Your wife more, make her a priority. And I'm like, we train together. Number one. Number two is my, my wife was essentially a professional soccer player. She trained more than I did. And, and the third thing is I love my wife enough to take care of myself. So I'm not going to be a liability. I'll be an asset. And I think people struggle with that because they go, it's being selfish. I go, it's not being selfish. It's you making the decision to put yourself first. You're selfish. If you look at somebody and you don't, if, if you and I are together, and you look at me and you're like, dude, Trev, you're like 80 pounds overweight, man. And you're afraid to tell me you don't love me. You're more concerned about the reaction than you are about me. And I think that's the selfish, most selfish fucking thing people can do. And they're so afraid to say something. But yet, yeah, do you love the person? Then tell them. I think you're an asshole if you don't. And so I, we, we, we work out all the time and we were killing it. And all of a sudden I got a little sick. Well, five days in, I wake her up at night and I go, babe, you need to take me to the hospital. If you follow me or you look at anything I do, that takes a lot. Like there better be a, a something that needs more than 12 stitches and maybe my eyeballs hanging out. Like it takes a lot to get me to go to the hospital. And she's like, okay, it was about 12, one o'clock in the morning. I think, I don't really remember. And it's about a 15 minute drive or 15 mile drive to the hospital. And she tells the kids, we get in the hospital, get in the car, we drive to the hospital. By the time we got there, I was incoherent. I couldn't walk. I couldn't think straight. I was 106 degree fever, which if you understand physiology, that's really, really, really fucking bad. And they brought me in. They rushed me into ICU. They bombed me with every chemical they could. They tested me for that thing. I won't mention it because people get weird about it, but that stuff going on in the world. And uh, I tested negative every time. So even in my records, it says that thing like, it doesn't say that thing because it covers their butts, right? So for almost, I think it was six days, I spent six days fighting for my life. Because I was getting worse and worse and worse, and I remember two days in, a doctor and a nurse at the foot of my bed arguing on whether or not they should put me on a, on a ventilator. That would be the kiss of death. If I was on a ventilator, we would not be doing this. I would have died. And so they kicked my wife out of the hospital the night she brought me in, and then they locked her out and they wouldn't let her in. And she was outside hysterical, talking to her friend and going, "My husband's going to die here, and I'm I'm never going to see him." Again. I can't imagine thinking like like if I couldn't see my wife because she was in just a horrible place and suffering and I couldn't go be with her. And that's, that, that's the mindset they had. Well, no, we can't do this. Yeah. They walked her out and kept her out of the hospital. So she snuck in every day. My wife's a bat. So she came in every day and she was with me every day and two or three days in. And honestly, I don't really remember. Cause I don't remember her being there. How crazy is that? I'm in the hospital for almost a week and I see you. And I was like, you know, I never saw you. And my son in the backseat one day, we're driving from jujitsu and he goes, mom was there every day. And I'm like, what? All I know is that when I saw them, my, my wife, my daughter, and one of our friends, I was on the third floor. And the only thing I could do was see them outside a window and they would come and they would like, how shitty is that? Right? Like, I think about that. I go, that's healthcare. That's not healthcare, but that's, that's destroying people. And, and so day three, it's at night. And it's the only time in my life that I ever thought, holy shit, I'm really going to die. And I can't, I've actually been thinking about it. Cause I get asked this question a lot. Like what went through your head? How did this happen? Where did you go with this? And I, and I thought, you know, it was this unbelievably overwhelming sense of peace and sadness. It's all I can, I can label it as it's different. And when people talk about like, Oh, it was a close one. I almost died. No, you didn't. Cause he didn't feel that. And I did. And I grabbed my phone and I started texting my wife. Everything to manage our life, every password. And she has everything anyway. Like we have no secrets. She's, she knows everything about my life, which is how a relationship should be. And she had, and I was telling her, this is what we need to do. This is what needs to be managed. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And I'm bawling my eyes out and it's one, two in the morning. And she sends me, I saw, I, I read this text probably a hundred times a day. I screenshot what she sent me. And she sends a text back. She goes, I can't do this life without you. I need you. I need you. She was you can't die. And I got so fucking angry at what was trying to kill me. I turned it into something else. I pulled it out of me and I created this thing, like an entity in front of me. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. You're not going to win. And I went to work. And so for the next three days, they kept trying to give me all these drugs related to that thing. And they gave me this one called remdesivir. And my wife is, she's so smart. My wife is so intelligent. And so she's researching all this stuff, right? I mean, you have a library at your fingertips if you know where to look. And so she finds out all this information. She comes into the hospital. She goes, babe, I don't think they're, goes, I think they're helping you. She goes, I think we need to get out of here. And there, it's even in my notes, all this stuff. They're like, wife, like it was just, the, the, the shit they write is so ridiculous. They took my phone. They wouldn't let me have my phone when I was in ICU. Like, it was like you're in this Gestapo fucking prison. And I'm like, I'm in the US, I'm in Texas. Are you crazy? This is why people lose their shit and go bananas somewhere. Because they're being held prisoner in their own country. I'm like, this is crazy. So I went, okay, my wife, whatever she says, I will do. And likewise, because I trust my wife. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Took them nine hours to release me. They lied about finding an oxygen tank. They finally I left the hospital, weak on oxygen, struggling. They rolled me out of the hospital, stuck me in a car. I got home, I started training again. On oxygen, there's videos everywhere of me with an oxygen cannula and a little, I called it my little blue buddy oxygen machine. And I'd be doing anything I could. It would take me five, 10 minutes to recover from doing curls because I was so shocked. And I started to get a little stronger and then all of a sudden something switched and I wasn't doing so well anymore. And about three weeks in, I got this brutal back pain. And it's, it's, it's funny when I say it out loud, cause you kind of go "Oh, back pain. It, it's nothing like I've ever experienced. It felt like something was being ripped out of my chest through the back it was brutal and I finally said babe let's let's go to urgent care and she was already worried I had stopped sweating in workouts like I was just dry as a bone I was getting really weak something wasn't right we go to the urgent care and they take an x-ray and she's really worried I keep pointing her because she's over there on the couch but she's really worried and and I was like "Ah, you know I'll be fine I'll be fine they'll give me some time I knew that wasn't the case when I came around the corner and I saw the x-ray, I've seen thousands and thousands of x-rays. So I'm not an idiot. I know what I'm looking at. And there's this tumor. It's about this big. It's about the size of a football in my chest on my left side. It wasn't there three weeks ago. I have all the x-rays before and all the x-rays now. Yeah, now you're like, holy shit. And he goes, you need to go to ER right like now, okay? And I was already back on oxygen, 5%, which is a lot. And I couldn't function without going out of breath. I couldn't walk to the bathroom without being out of breath. This conversation wouldn't occur because I couldn't breathe. And I talked to one of my buddies in that three-week window, this guy, Jason Kalipa. And I had to keep taking breaks in the conversation because I couldn't, I couldn't talk because I'd get so winded. We go to ER and they put me in. It's already now there's tents outside. There's patients in the hallway. It's that busy. And they put me in an ER waiting room, not an ICU room where it's just like a sliding glass door, teeny little box. And then they spent the next three days telling me that they can't do anything. They can't find me a surgeon. They can't find me any hospital in the state. And nobody had room. for me, And I went, holy shit, I'm going to die here. And I was getting worse. The doctor said when I got there, he goes, oh, no, no, no. He says, we have to do thoracic surgery. like We got to get this out of you. And I almost threw up when he told me that because I went, holy shit. You know, like most people, it's like, oh, I, I broke my wrist. Do surgery, right? Like this is like you're going to open up my chest. And, of course, your brain goes crazy. And on day three, my wife came. She brought me breakfast every day. She'd just sit with me all day as much as she could. And day three, I went, holy crap. I couldn't even get up to walk to the bathroom because I was, I was so weak. And so I couldn't breathe. And every day it was getting worse. And I said, okay. And they had just come in and told me, we still, we're going to have to send you out of state. And I knew if I got on a plane to fly out of state to go to another hospital, I knew I would die. And I just stood there and I started, whether someone believes in God or not is up to them. That's irrelevant. But I do. And I started thanking God for everything. Thank you for and I just literally for ten minutes, Nicole. I'm like, thank you for making me just like a beast of a human and making me tough and and covering me in muscle and making me strong and finding me the best surgeon in the world and giving me another fifty years with my wife and family, creating just an, an example for people. Like, just I went on and on and on, like making me healthy and strong and invincible and and all of this stuff. I just kept talking about for about ten minutes and then I stopped and I sat on the bed. And, started crying. And about 10, I shit you not, this is the craziest thing. Like 10 minutes later, I get this knock on the glass door and it slides open. And he goes, Trevor Bachway," And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I'm just letting you know that your ride to Dallas for your surgery tomorrow at noon is going to be here in half an hour. And I freak out. I send my, she had just left. I send my wife a text and I go get the kids. I have surgery at noon tomorrow. And she's like, what? I go, miracles. So we go there. That the next morning, you know, my wife couldn't stay that night because it was literally one of these like, holy shit. And I give her, I give her a kiss. I film the last kiss because I didn't know. Right. And, and I said, all right, whatever you do, I handed her my phone. I said, you film everything. I don't care what it is. You film everything. She's like, okay. And I was like, it might wind up not being so good. You film everything. She's like, okay. And my wife, if you tell her something, you can just walk away. You know, it's going to get done. She's that person. That's how we are. We never miss. That's one of the things we pride ourselves on is if people go how do you do it I go I never fucking miss I don't ever people go that's a really big ego it's not an ego it's fact I never miss and then they wheeled me down to surgery and I gave her my ring I mean they give you a gown and that's it you know your buck naked under a gown give her my wedding ring and I go down there and I'm really worried and we i I wake up after the after the anesthesia and the surgery and I wake up to this Big nurse trying to hold me back down, yelling, this one keeps trying to sit up, always a fighter. And they take me to the room and I'm still in and out of anesthesia. My wife has this all on video. It's great because I'm high as a kite. Like I'm just in and out, in and out, right, of anesthesia. And I said to, when I came out, it was about 20 minutes after surgery in the room. And I said to the, to the nurse, one of the nurses in there, I go, you need to get me up. And she's like, no, 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 no. You just had thoracic surgery. You can't get up. This is like, no, you you need to adjust your life. You're going to be different. You need to understand you're lucky to be alive. You're not going to be able to do all the things you used to be able to do anymore. Life is going to be different. There's all the shit she's telling me. So she's basically telling me how my life is going to be. And I just, I'm so mad. And I had these giant garden hoses coming out of my chest. I had oxygen on my face. I had IVs everywhere. I had a 12 lead on me to monitor ECG, right? It was just, I looked like a mess and I'm all skinny and weak and i go you have two choices you can either get me up out of this bed or you can get me the fuck off the floor either way i'm getting out of this bed there i am another nurse i'm holding her hand and i got a box filled with like my blood and fluid and i'm holding onto this box and this nurse's hand and i'm walking circles around my room and that was about 20 30 minutes after surgery and i would walk lap after lap after lap in that room until they disconnected me from the wall the vacuum hose right so i didn't have a pneumothorax and they disconnected me from the wall and I said, where can I walk? And they're like, you can stay on this level in this, in this wing. And I said, okay. So I would walk around the nurse's station nonstop with my IV stand, all this stuff going in me on this box with these chest tubes in me. And the first time took me maybe 10 minutes to walk around the nurse station. It was maybe three, 400 feet, I'm guessing. And they were like, holy shit, you're like relentless. And I go, I want to get, there. do not want to be here. And so what ended up happening was they told me it was going to be 14 days till I would, till I could go home. I was home in seven. My wife videoed them pulling that tube out of me. It's the nastiest thing. since it's like two feet of garden hose being ripped out of my chest. That was an experience. Now, what's really wild is this. When I came to, I don't remember, but first thing I asked for was my wedding. Who you are is exposed in times of trial. Because I looked down and I was like, holy shit. Now, the doctor, the surgeon, this gets even better. The surgeon that did the surgery is... The best thoracic surgeon in the US. And I remember asking this guy, he's got these gator skin boots and he's like kind of this little bit arrogant, dry humor guy. He knows he's good, you know? And I go, hey, what, what's like, have you done this before? Am I gonna be okay? He goes, Ah, I'll never forget this. He goes, I've done about 730 of these, so I think you'll be and I'm like, okay. Nicole, they used a robot to do the surgery on me. Six arms dangling off the ceiling like a like a spider huge and he used like a joystick from a nintendo to do the surgery on me with this face and this thing right like it's crazy and i have six huge scars all over me from where they went inside and and did the surgery but when he sat down after i had walked around the room he came into the room to check on his patient after that first lap inside the room i was still a little bit like loopy from the anesthesia he goes okay the surgery went well he goes but we had to take your left lung and that's when I'm like, holy shit, you did what? You know?" And then I asked him, because I was still pretty high, did you give me a new one? And he's like, no. And, and that was the turning point because I went, holy fuck, I'm missing a lung, man. And he, you kind of process this. So when we left seven days later, they rolled me out in a wheelchair. On oxygen, they said, your life is going to be different. You're never going to run. You're never going to work out. You're never going to do anything again like that. You are just lucky to be alive. And then they plant that seed in your head. Go, this is how you're going to be. And I had a prescription for 12 drugs. I didn't take a single one of them. I said, you can take your drugs and fucking shove them. I'm not taking all that bullshit because they're going to kill me. Forget it. Longest drive home because I felt every bump in that road. Cause I mean, it was brutal. It was painful. Like it's one of the worst things I've ever experienced. We got home. I hugged my kids. I hadn't seen them for a month. It was brutal. And I hadn't even seen the inside of my house for a month. And I mean, I was in and out of ICU for over two months, right? And my wife goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to work out. And she's like, my wife is so badass. She goes, okay, let's do it. All I could do was walk, Nicole. I couldn't do anything because I had these big incisions and they were still stitched up and they had just pulled the tubes out of me, right? So I had these big holes in me with this gauze on me and this big giant bandage. It was like this big pressed against me. And so I took a, a sled, like a weight sled. I dropped the 45-pound plate on it. I took a long strap, and I put it on my weight belt, like for lifting, right? And I put that around my waist really low, and I looped the, the, the strap on it. And I said, "I'm gonna my driveway is about 400 feet circle, give or take, right? Gravel driveway in front of the house. And then I said, I want you. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go for a walk. I said, I'm going to just walk circles. I said, come get me when I." And she's like, okay. She watched me every fucking lap she was in the front I my my lab I call my office my lab because office is a shitty word so I call my lab and she's there in the window watching me and when I couldn't walk anymore and down I went she came to got me walked me back put everything away and that was day one 21 months ago Nicole I haven't missed a fucking day now I run a mile every day I train every day and I don't miss people go when are your rest days I go I don't have rest days I go, you don't need a rest day rest day is something created by a writer a rest days. When do you, you take a rest from life? You don't. So I don't take rest days. And that's that was the start. And we went. People asked me. They're like, "Well, how did you create this company? How did you create this life?" I went, "Because I didn't. Find it. Because I made the decision to stop listening to the people that wanted less for me." And I went, "I want more. I want. I want more life. I want more money. I want more fitness. I want more love, more family. I want more." And I stopped going. But you want less for me. But most people, they they tell you they love you unconditionally, but it's not really true. They love you on one condition that you don't do better than they do, right? People look at you through these two lenses, right? They, they they're like your position in their life and their position in yours. And if either one of those change where you begin to level up, they're like crabs in a bucket. They pull you down because it makes them look at their own framework of their life and they go, I don't like it. So it forces them to look in the mirror because they're like, well, you could do it, but, but you have all the breaks. I actually have gotten that. I got so much hate for training with one, like, When I would go on, I'd have oxygen, I'd collapse, I'd fall apart. So I, Nicole, I I fell apart so many times training. I hated it. I Fucking hated training. When people go, "Oh, you're you're a savage," I go, "Listen, don't think for a second that every time I go out to my gym, I'm like, I can't wait. It hurts every time." But you know what else is gonna hurt? Being weak later, being less later, looking in the mirror and going, "You could be more, Trev. You could be more, Spartan. You could be more for your wife, for." people like you for everybody. What are you, what are you doing? Don't you ever settle for less. But that's what we've been reduced to is just it's okay just settle for less. So I got hate. You what are you trying what are you trying to prove? Nothing. I'm trying to be the most badass motherfucker on the planet. That's what I'm doing. It ain't for you, but that's the world, right? They're like what what are you trying to do? Nothing. I am documenting my life to show you what's possible because I ain't about them. And then people they don't like that because it makes them uncomfortable because they look at themselves and Losers know they're losing, winners know they're winning. It's just a fact. It's not meant to be a dick thing. It's just the truth. And most people that lose, it's because they aren't doing the work. And that shows them when you see someone and you see them winning in a space that you're in, most people go and make up every excuse and every validation and hate on you so much, but they always miss the one thing they need to say: "I ain't doing the work that they're doing. I'm not in Buenos Aires. Why? Because I'm not doing the work to be there. So if I was bitching at you off camera, I'm like, well, yeah, it must be nice. Really lucky to be traveling the world. You know what you could easily do? Go, hey, Trev, shut up. Do the work. It's not hard, but people don't like that, right? Because it puts the reflection back on you, but they've sensationalized being a victim. I refused. Thank God. Like, I'll tell you this, there aren't a lot of 50-year-olds like me and people go, well, that's not normal. I'm like, no, this is normal. This is what a normal 50-year-old is. When you're obese and weak and you have a shitty mindset and you think the world is against you, that's not normal. That's conditioning. That's you listening to all the the haters and the people that don't want you to win. Cut them out of your circle. I don't even allow those people around me anymore. So I don't miss. I have six rules. I came up with them in the hospital. And those six rules are my core values. And they're a filter. Everything in my life runs through them. And the last one is never. It's written on my whiteboard. Every workout I do, Nicole, I want to quit. They're brutal. But I know this. If I'm going to the gym and just walking around and taking my coffee cup, setting it down on a machine and then texting, playing on my phone, I ain't working out. I'm doing it for my ego to say to everybody else, hey, Nicole, Nicole, I went to the gym today. Did you? Did you did you train today? I did. I didn't do anything. I leave bits of my soul in the gym. When I come in, I have never in, in 20 months, I've never come in from my workout and not gone. I think I might be sick. That was rough, but I'm not dead yet. And I look at that and I go, you know what? That which tried to break me, that which tried to, that which tried to break me, made me, it made me because I didn't let it, but it's relationship, fitness, money, business. It's all the same. You're going to be faced with tests. You have the choice. If you want to ask for a big life, whatever it is, buckle up. Because you're going to get the test. Here's the life you want. Cool. It's on the other side of all the work you're not willing to do. But that's how I got to this point. And I remember when we came home, that's how it started. And I haven't quit since. That's when we, my wife and I built our whole company together. And we started off just changing fitness. Just going, listen, you guys, the doctor, God, think about this. The doctors, this is why I'm so obsessed. And I go fitness first. I don't care. People, I want to learn how to make money. Fitness first. I want to have a great marriage. Fitness first. I want to be a good parent. Fitness first. Why? Because if you aren't strong yourself, you're fucked. That's it. There's no other way to say it. Because the doctor sat there and looked at me, and he went, "If God, this, it, I still see his face. If you wouldn't have been in the condition you were in when you came to the hospital, you wouldn't have survived." There's nothing in that statement that was meant to be kind. It was the you're doing the work. You would have been screwed if you would have not done it. Holy shit. So, when people go i'll do it tomorrow," it's because health, wealth, and relationships are all deficiency needs. When you have them, you never think about, them. and when you don't have them, you literally can't think of anything else, and people don't get that until it's missing. So, I tell people, "Go look at your life and go, "Where am I missing?" because that's where your struggles are that's where you're playing safe, and that's where you wish you were doing better. So stop fucking missing well it's not that easy. no, it's simple don't miss it's not easy. Because you want to be a little bitch and fall back on your habits of being a quitter. Why? Because you're afraid your friends are going to call you out? Your friends are going to hate on you for winning, man. Most people don't even start what they want to do. Like, how about you? You're in Buenos Aires. You travel all over the world. You've been to China, all over the place. And I guarantee you, you have had people go, what are you doing? That's crazy. Why are you taking those risks? Why would you do that? That's pretty selfish. How Don't you want to settle down? I don't think that's smart. How is that smart for your life? Right. They say that to you. And yet in your head, you, you I listen, you don't have to say it on the air, but I guarantee you in your head, you're like, fuck you. I'm going to go do this because this is my life. And I'm gonna." just because you don't have the stones to even attempt to think about what I'm going to do doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Do not project your feels and your your feelings and your fears and your limited small mindset on me just because you won't. People hate on what they quit on. So they shit all over you. Right. You still did it. Where are you? Buenos Aires, right? Like people look at me and they're like, well, you're lucky, lucky. I'm 50 missing a lung. How am I lucky? I put in the work and they don't like that because they go, well, yeah, but it's got to be this though. Yeah. It's the work. Well, what about this? It's the work. Like the work instills the worth and nobody gets that. That's why you're in Buenos Aires and we have a great life because we both do the work, you know? And I think people, you want to make millions of dollars. It's easy. I'll, I'll tell you on this call. It's so fucking easy to make a lot of money. Like, I mean, like dummies, people aren't willing to do the work because they're taught. Oh, if you do this 20 minutes a day from your couch with your cell phone, you'll be a millionaire tomorrow. Get out of here, man. It's not true. I had to work my face off to get to where we were. And I still do it because I like the worth and the value it gives myself, my family and people that listen to me. People want the easy way. They're never going to get it. And you know that. But that's how this all started. Wow. That's wild what, ride. Huh?
0: What it yeah, what a freaking wild ride. Thank you for sharing that. I I mean, we obviously have had very different life experiences and we live very different lives, but I totally resonate in what you were kind of saying there at the end of we both did the same thing. We figured out what the life that we wanted looked like and we went after it. And for me, I call that lifestyle design. I know everyone kind of has right. their own different word, but yeah. You know, I get a lot of hate as do you, I'm sure you shouldn't be lifting weights and have one lung. And for me, like you should That's be so buying a house hate. and having a family. And it's really no, just carving out your hate. own path.
1: I love hate. I love getting it because just, I tell people to remember, nobody has ever hated on a loser ever, ever. Nobody hits on a loser, nobody. And they've never erected a statue of a loser. They've never created a, a, a giant life Based on a loser. And it's and people go, well, that's really harsh. It's not harsh. Losers are fucking losers. Stop being a loser. It's your choice. Haters, you know what they are? They're fans because you know where they show up? Your game to watch you play. They're fans, but they sit on the sidelines and they do this. Ah, fucking Nicole. She's stupid. What is she doing? What a waste of a life. She would be smarter to do this. And you're laughing yourself all the way to the rest of your life because you're like, yeah but I'm not trapped in this prison that you're designing with your mind. I'm living my life crushing it. We have the same time alive. I get 24 hours, you get 24 hours, but I'm living mine. You're a prisoner in yours. That's, that's what you people like you and I think, but they Mm -hmm. do it by choice. I I always, if you're not getting hate, I always tell people you're not doing it right. And if you're concerned about the hate, reevaluate your self-worth because I, I, the best thing I said one time, and boy, I got so much static for this, is I went, dude, you, I'm untouchable. You can't touch me. You cannot touch me. You can't get me. You can't knock me down. I'm never going to quit. You can't stop me. I get knocked down. I'm going to be right back up. Why? You can't stop me. Only I can. Because I am, I value my opinion of my life more than everybody else's combined. And there's always some knucklehead out there that goes, well, that's, that's pretty narcissistic. I go, really? You ever been in a fucking plane? What do they tell you about an oxygen mask? Put everybody else's on first and then yours? No, they put yours on so you can help everybody else. Otherwise, why? Oh yeah, you die. And no, they don't want to process that because all of a sudden it puts the focus back on them. It's gotta be someone else's fault. It's always somebody that's never done it that has the advice for you. Someone that's done it will gladly give you the blueprint when you ask, but a lot of times they don't come out and just tell you because they're too busy winning. But I always look past somebody. I go, hey, no problem. You got advice? I love it. Hit me with all the advice and all the help you can. Let me just, let me just, hold on, move for a second. I just want to take a look at your life. Yeah, your life is a fucking dumpster fire. I'm not going anywhere near you. No way. Listen to the people that are crushing it in your space and are living the life you want. Listen, you want the Lamborghinis? Find out if that kid that's flashing his Lambo from his mom's basement, find out that he's really just living in his mom's basement. Don't do what that kid's doing, you know? You want the house? You want the the, the guy, the girl? You want the dog? You want, like, it doesn't matter. You just find people doing it the way you want it and then mm-hmm. shut up and do what they say, right? Like if I wanted to do what you were doing, I'm going to go, Nicole, I have no idea how to do what you're doing, but I think it's a badass lifestyle. H- how do I do this? Where did you start? What's, what are the things? If you gave me your top 20 things on Trev, you and your wife and your family need to do all this stuff. It's so important. This is what I learned. Guess what I'm going to do? Shut the fuck up and I'm going to listen because you're doing it. You're not sitting in, in Little Rock, Arkansas going, let me tell you how to do it when you've never left Little Rock, Arkansas, you know? So I I love haters and and there's so much of it out there.
0: I was gonna say, I completely agree. And I've had all the same thoughts of what you're saying right now. I only want to look up to and take advice from somebody who has been there, has done that, has what I want. But I would love to touch on, exactly, exactly. I would love, so I have so many questions. I was writing so many notes as you were sharing your story. But before we get into those questions, I really would love to touch on the business aspect of things. And you know, you sure. get out of the hospital. What does building a multi million dollar business look like? So
1: what at the beginning I, I literally didn't do it for anything other than I went, people are failing, they're failing themselves, and everybody's doing things for the money. The money is a byproduct of services rendered. And I started to really look at it because people are like, How much can I get? How much money can I get? You're missing the point. How much service can I give? And then they're just gonna pay you. Just get really good at it. So I went, All right, I'm gonna film everything from the bottom, from every struggle to show people what's possible. And in that I started building this business and people would ask me, dude, how, how are you training like that? What is your mindset? This is nuts. So I, excuse me, I'd get messages all the time. How are you doing this? And I'm like, all right, men are weak. It's not meant to be insulting. It's just a fact. Men are weak. They're soft. They become soft and decide they, they've, they've been conditioned to think that they don't have to try." That men and women don't have to try and they're just entitled. And I said that's that's not true because I'm in it. How do I make this a business? How do I help people? So people would ask me how to train, and then what people ask me my diet, my training, all that. How does you you and your wife train? I went all right. I'll build a program. So I built a program, and I still remember the first guy I sold my program to is one thousand eight hundred ninety seven bucks. I'll never forget this guy. I was on the phone with this guy for probably half hour forty five minutes. He wasn't even here. I think he, I think it was in France. He lived, but this was a nicest guy. And he was like, I want to do everything you tell me to do. And he was an older dude. And I was like, let's do it. How much is your program? I literally plucked the number out of the sky. 1,897 dollars. three months. And he's like, done. Can I give you a credit card? Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Ran the card. I've told this to so many people and they go, well, that's not a lot of money. I go, see your thinking room. I went, y- you know, if one person buys your product, then a million people will buy your product. You just have to get in front of them. And that's where people struggle is they go, nobody's buying my stuff. You're in front of the wrong people. Well, it's marketing and ads and, and targeting. No, it's not. It's your fucking story. You're not telling your story. You're too afraid of judgment from other people. Most people will never execute on the goals and the life they want because they're, it's, it's not the work they're afraid of even. It's the judgment and hate they're going to get from somebody else. Oh, shit. What, are the, what if they say this? Who cares? And then they don't do it. So then they, they live in this self-generated misery while they hate, they, you know, and all it does is create bitterness, envy, and jealousy on the people that are winning, that are doing what they want to do. Well, yeah, they're lucky though. They're not lucky. They just stop giving a fuck about the opinions of other people over their own. Doesn't mean you have to be, I don't care about you. It's that I care about my opinion more than yours. There's a difference. And when you're in business, buckle up. Hate is the barrier to entry. Hate is the barrier to entry to success. If you aren't willing to take the hate and the judgment and the, the, the accusations and all the bullshit that comes with it from these low level NPCs in the world, you are not cut out to be an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur is sexy to people, right? That's great. We're going to make, I'm going to make so much money, dude. I didn't, it took me forever at the beginning. I had to work 18 hour days. I was on the phone making phone calls nonstop. So I built this program and I didn't even know how to do it. I just took everything I did. How did you come up with a program? I took what worked for me. That's all I know. And I try and tell people, it's like, don't invent things. Do what you're really good at and then teach people how to do that. Number one, I honestly believe that's your obligation. Once you know something really well, it's your duty to teach people how to do it. I think that's what makes a good teacher. That's what makes a good person. So I started teaching people how I'm eating, how I'm training, you know, my mindset. I started going through things. I have my six rules that I go through and I teach people all this stuff. And I'm like, do this. And all of a sudden, I started getting results. And then I started going, holy shit, I'm getting better results than anybody else. And then people started calling me, hey, how do I join your program? Because I would start talking about it. Oh, do this. So it was two grand that first month. And the second month, all of a sudden it's 10, and then 20, and then 25 and 30. And I'm like, holy shit. And I just started doing this to make sure my wife had a place, that our kids had a place, that we could pay for our house, that we had a life because I wasn't brick and mortar anymore. And I wanted to be able to be with my family. I spent Nicole, I spent 15 years getting up at 4.30 in the morning, driving to a clinic in Commuter, because I live in California, and not getting home till 7.30 at night. So I never saw my wife and kids. That's not a life. You're just a slave. You're an aunt working to survive. And then what? You retire at 65? Just for everybody watching, you want to get rich as fuck by the time you're 30, because you can enjoy yourself. Don't wait till you're 65. Then what? You're all broken and beat up. I'm 50 and I'm in pretty badass shape and getting inside of any of our exotics is still hard. The cars are like this high off the ground. So I tell people do it as fast as possible. So I started looking at the people that wanted my stuff and I went, how do I replicate this program? So I designed this entire program. I put it into trainer eyes. I'll even tell you what I use. I put it into trainer eyes. I filmed myself. So I'm not using some random dude that they have in their program. I put every video, I filmed every workout. I still do. I've been doing that for years and I put every movement that I wanted. I built out these workouts and then I said, do this. And people would come in and they're like, well, I think I have this going on though. And I have this going on. I go, are you on oxygen And are you missing a fucking lung? No, shut up. Thinking what you're thinking has given you the life you have doing what I do, doing what I did gave me this life. You're going to listen to me. And I was not the friend zone. I was the coach. People don't like, if you're going to start a business online, you're going to explain to people and help them get somewhere. Do not be their friend, care about them, coach them, hold them accountable. A lot of those people will feel like they're under attack, but accountability always feels like an attack to people hiding behind their excuses. I started doing this and I started getting in front of people. And then all of a sudden I went, what if I put it in my stories? So I was like, Hey, DM me this. I just put a word in there, And I, the first time I did that, I had about 250 DMs. Of people with that keyword going, like, I forget what it was. I think it was savage or beast. And it went, and I was like, holy shit. I had 20 calls a day for three weeks. And everybody's like, here, here, here. And all of a sudden I grew to this brand and we were making 250, 300, 350 a month. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't even hotter because I gave a fuck about the people. And then I created this community online. And I have this thing called the Spartan army, which I came up with. Cause I went, people need a place to go where they know they're supported. And that's community is more important than your product. If you just understand that community is more important than your product or service, because they need to know that they're with people that think the same. And most people don't. So I created this community on mighty networks and I went here, go here. This is where all my videos are. This is where I'll jump in every couple of days and I'll just say something and help you guys. And you guys can chat with each other and bounce off each other. I put in all kinds of rehab videos. So if you're injured, just go to this library. And then people ask me, dude, how did you like, all of a sudden I bought like this $250,000 Porsche and we're building this, like it's like a $3 million house. We're doing this. They're like, how the fuck are you doing all this? How did you make your money? And I went, okay. So I took one person, just one. And they went, can you teach me? And I go, shit. Yeah. So I started teaching them everything I did to build my business. And all of a sudden that became Spartan army business. And now people go, how do I start my online coaching company? What do I do? And we take people from zero to a million dollar business in 12 months. And I just walk through everything. I go, do this, do this, do this. And we, I mean, we meet every Sunday on a Zoom call live. It's me, Q&A, and we go through the next tactics. Every Saturday, I do a mastermind call for my Spartan Army fitness. But every program I have has a fitness component. If you ain't going to train, you're not part of my program. And people go, I really, I just want to grow my business. Remember what I said? fitness first. You will not respect yourself. If you look at yourself and you don't respect yourself, nobody respects himself hundred pounds overweight. They don't. I don't care what you say. You don't. Because if you're designed to be strong and, and, and savage and, and just like helpful and loving, but really like, like I live this stoic, loving, like kind, deep life because I've been presented with the test so many times and I kept trying to outmuscle the universe. Basically, right? The test would come and I'd be like, ah, I don't like that test though. So I'd ignore it. Except the problem becomes the test shows up harder and harder until it breaks you. And I can't take another test because I kept ignoring the test. When you ask for something, I said at the beginning, if you go, I want to make $100 million a year, it doesn't matter what it is. I want to be fit. I want to be able to run. It, it doesn't matter. You will be presented instantly with a test. And everything you want is on the other side of that test. And most people see the test, they go, oh no. That's too hard. And they make up all the excuses and distractions. They sit down and they spend 15 hours seeking validation from other people that they don't even know on their cell phone. They watch Netflix. They, They look at Amazon Prime and they lose themselves in distraction. And then they go to bed at night and they hate their life, but they've done nothing to change it and they know it. So that causes them to spiral even further. So they seek more distraction to cover up the misery they feel. And it becomes this vicious cycle instead of going, fuck this. This is not how I want to live. It's going to be uncomfortable to change. And then they change. So that's something I go through with people all the time. And I mean, now we get probably about 5,000 messages a day of people going, how do I do this? But it started with nothing. And then I started getting people were like, you need to be on my podcast. I've been on podcasts all over the place. And because of this, like people go, how do I do this? And most people go, holy shit, this guy really does tell you how. Yeah, I want you to win. Go get Stripe. I'm not a big fan of Stripe, but get Stripe or get Authorize.net or Easy Pay. Use that for for your payment processing. Link that to Trainerize. Set up a program that you do. Don't lie about your program. If you don't train like that, don't try and sell somebody that program. You're full of shit. Do that. Go do this. Nicole, you're going to work out like this. Well, I can't really do that. I always have the same answer. Figure it the fuck out. That's how you're going to train. Because that's how I train. And then do that. Charge them a fee. Support them. Give them a community. And support the shit out of them in the community. And just keep doing that. Change their mindset about who they are to support who they are. Not to negate hate on who they are. And that's what I did. And that's how we built this company. And next thing you know, I'm hiring people and we built this team and I have a tech team and a sales team. And a, like, it's it started with one. But my wife and I do this all together. I bounce things off of her. She gives things to me. I go, what about this? How do we do this? And now we make videos together because I want people to see that like they have normalized the dad bod, being obese, being like overweight and sloppy. And I'm like, that's not normal. Listen, there is nobody out there, nobody, that... Their spouse is going to look at them and go, I would rather have the sloppy, fat, pasty version of you than the jacked, fit, smart, successful version of you. Nobody's going to say, I'd rather have the shitty version unless they're so insecure they don't want you to win. And then why are you with them? If your spouse doesn't want you to win, why are you together? You're with the wrong person. And that's a whole other podcast, but no. So you want your business to work? You tell your story every day. You don't make your story for other people. You go on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and fuck TikTok. It's not worth it. People will be like, Oh, you should use that. No, it's not worth it. It's just a bunch of idiots on there doing dumb shit. So it, it but, and then you just tell your story and show your life. And you know what people are going to do? Hey, Spartan, how, how do you do that? Give them a link to go to, to apply, click apply and start stacking clients and help them out. That's all you got to do. But I started thinking like a millionaire. I started thinking like a million dollar brand. I started thinking, what is the world I want to build for myself? And then I went, how do I build that for other people? And in the process of building it for other people, I built it for myself. And the more you win, the more people want to come and learn from you if you're aiming at the right people, right? That's it. You got to get in front of the right people. And there's a whole way I do this. And I go, listen, just look here to find the right people. It's not hard. But remember, if you one person buys your product, a million people will buy your product. They will. You just have to get in front of them because if one person buys it, so will a million others.
0: You just said a very interesting word and your whole story, I think, I'm curious what you would think. If I could sum it up in one word, everything you've said, I would say mindset, because to me, it sounds like that mindset is what got you out of the hospital, is what basically got you to where you are today, is what made you build your business and having that strong mindset, that mindset to go to the gym every day, to work out even when you hate it, and you know you hate it, yep. but you know it's going yep. to better yourself, what are some of the steps that you can start taking if you sure. know, listening to this, I think I need to make some changes in my life if I want I'll to be the exactly person who I really want
1: to be? I'll tell you how to exactly do it. And, and people will like, oh, here's another bearded tattooed guru. No, this just works for me. I, if And I tell people, don't listen. It's entirely up to you. But I have a great life. I had to do it on my own. I'm not lucky. So if you want that life, just listen to what I tell you to do. It's that simple. And so every night I ask myself the same three questions. I ask myself, did I do more than I did yesterday? Did I do what I say I was going to do? And did I eliminate all the options to quit, to do something different, to take the easy path? That's my end of my day, every single fucking night. And I have this journal. I don't have it here. I have this leather journal. Every night I write in, I call it my GSD, which is my get shit done book. And every night I write in it. I don't care if it's four in the morning or three in the morning. I will write in it all the things I'm going to do the next day. That's been, and it's not like, listen, people are like, oh, I can't have this 57 step morning routine and a cold plunge. And I just, listen, fuck, you don't need that. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. You can't just come into your day and go, well, I hope this happens today because most people are NPCs. They they bump into something. They have a reaction, right? A non-player character. They bump into something. They have a reaction. Then they take an action and then they just go and they bump into the next thing. And then they bump into the next thing. And if it's successful, they're lucky. If it's a failure, they're a victim. But they're never controlling what they're doing. This here, the way I do it is I control everything in my world. And and a lot of people go, well, you can't control everything. You're right. The circumstances, no. The reaction, fuck yeah, you can. Absolutely. So that's what I do. And so I write down all the actions I'm going to take the next day. I get up the next morning and most people shit talk themselves when they wake up. They get up in the morning and they start thinking about all the bad things. They think about how horrible their life is, and how they wish they were somewhere else, how they want more, but they don't know what to do. And everybody else is lucky and the world is going to hell. And you know, my foot hurts, my back hurts, my eye hurts. You know what? I, I love or I don't love. It just, they go through all the things they don't like and then they get out of bed and they hate their whole life. So they wind up telling themselves all the bad things. And then one person leaves them a negative comment. They focus on that all day. You're seeking validation from someone who doesn't want you to win. Are you fucking crazy? Never. If you ever say anything bad to me online, you can be assured that I ain't listening to anything you say. In fact, I'm usually going to address it in a funny way and go to this guy. Whatever, man. Some guy goes, you have woman's legs. I'm like, really? And so I popped on a post and I shot my legs out and everybody's like, holy shit. Not even close. I go, yeah, I know. But those are haters. You want those people because you're doing it right. But I, when I wake up in the morning, I open my eyes. My wife wakes me up almost the same way every morning. she, She's always rubbing my back or scratching on my back. It's the best thing in the world because I feel my wife right there next to me. But I think about all the things I stack wins when I wake up. Nicole, I wake up and I start thinking about, you know what? I'm in this big, beautiful bed. I have this incredible woman next to me. I'm in a house that has heat and air conditioning. I have clean air, clean water. I don't live in a fucking mud hut. I have food in my fridge. I have a great daughter. I have a great son. My eyes work. My lung works. I'm strong. I have all my faculties. I have my wits about me. I'm still intelligent. I have a crazy day plan where I'm going to get so much shit done. And then I'm like, I'm going to do 50 grand today. I'm going to do 100 grand today. I'm going to help that many people. I, like, I go through all my wins. My goal is 20 every morning. I always do more, but I will not settle for less than 20. I stack 20 wins before I even get out of my bed. Let me get out of my bed. My routine's the same. I get out of my bed. I look at my journal, my GSD. So I know what I'm doing for the day. And then I go brush my teeth. We get ready. I drink 12 ounces of water. I get in my car. We go for coffee every single morning. It's like my 15, 20 minutes with my wife that it's just us. We get in the car. We blast down to either Starbucks or Dutch bros. it it's with Dutch bros. I grab a coffee. Everybody there is real nice. We come back. I take off my shoes, my socks, my shirt. I go out to my gym and I do my morning routine. It's 51 pull ups, 102 air squats. 51 pushups and 102 recliner twists. It started off as five. So people are like, I can't do that many. Start with whatever you do, but don't vary it. Commit to the number and do that until you can add one. The next week, add one. But people go, is that your workout? I go, no, that's me going, I won again. I won again, motherfucker, I won. That's how I do it. And then I start my day and I just start stacking wins. But the reason I do that is because people struggle because they get crippled by failure. And what I do is I've stacked so many wins already in the morning by seven o'clock that circumstances happen. Adversity happens. Shit's going to happen. But I never look at it. as like, oh my God, I look at it and go, I got so many wins under my belt already. Let me, I'm going to win this one too. Let me just figure it out. And it's because I've done so many, but if you spend your day, your morning telling you all the horrible things, something comes into your mind and you're just going to go, it's another horrible thing. mindset, right? But that's how it starts. You want to change it? Do that. Like my six, my six core values. I'll give them to you. They're so effective. I run everything through this. And yeah, I realize they're mine. So I'm going to say they're effective. But anybody can adopt these. Number one is do the work. 95% isn't the work. 100% do the fucking work. Whatever it is, do the work. Number two is you're going to die. You're not getting out of this alive. Why are you waiting for anything you want to do when you're like, oh, I want to wait till this and I'm going to do that. and I have to wait till this. Now, when is now a good time? That's always it. Number three is do what you say. You better do what you say. I always listen, most of your problems in your life can be solved by doing what you say. Number four is take risks. Playing safe is a great way to fuck your life up really bad. Because you will play your safe play safe all the way to the ground. So stop playing safe. Take risks. Do all the shit that you want to do. You're not going to die. Place don't don't play safe. Just take risks. Number five is be vulnerable to your spouse. I give my wife, I am people screw up relationships and marriages and, and boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that because they don't give everything they've got they hold a little back they're like well but i can't you know i, I mean i really love brandy but I, I can't tell her about this god she'll judge me i can't tell her about that she's going to judge me i can't tell her i like like oh i fuck you could talk about sex people don't ever go i really want to do this in the bedroom just tell them how are they going to know i really want to buy this car well you and then you get mad because they don't fit your blueprint that you had but they can't Because only Netflix goes, well, I shouldn't have to tell you. You should know what I'm thinking. What fucking world do you live in that that works? Never. So you go all in, but you can't can't run a dialogue in your head about the things you shouldn't say. Tell them everything. Give them every weapon, God, every tool in the arsenal to utterly obliterate your life and destroy you, knowing they're not going to. And if you can't do that, you're with the wrong person. That right there will change everything in your marriage. It'll eliminate almost every fucking therapist. And then the sixth one is never miss. Never, no matter what, I will stay awake. I keep looking like my book is here. I will stay awake till two, three, four in the morning to finish everything on my GSD list. I will not go to bed without that being done. Never miss. In my, in my gym, big purple writing, because it's the only pen I had at the time, it was a big purple Sharpie and I wrote never miss. And I put Brandy, Hope, Pierce underneath. And my workout, 100 times a workout. Yesterday, I wanted to quit the whole, from rec one, Nicole, I wanted to quit. I hated it. It was thrusters and pull-ups. And I was was 105 outside. I'm like, this is the stupidest workout ever invented. I didn't care. I still did it. And I looked at that so many times. Never miss, never miss, never miss. And I hold myself to that because I think, you know why? When people go, you say you're untouchable, that's pretty arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's confident. Arrogance is when you think you know you're going to do it and you know you are, but you aren't and you're never going to do it. Confident is I already did it and I know. Like if you can walk around, hand somebody your phone and go, you can check my browsing history. I don't care what it is. You can climb inside my head and see every thought, and you can follow me around with a camera all day, all night. I don't care where it is: car, coffee, dinner, bedroom, bathroom, I don't care where it is, and I got nothing to hide. You I'm not ashamed of everything. You might not like what you see, but it doesn't really matter. I'm not ashamed of everything, and I'm not I'm not upset about anything. If you can do that, you're untouchable because you do what you say. Most people can't do that because they're like yeah but they're gonna find out i'm fucking lying you're you're being exposed to yourself never miss your world will change if you take everything that you know you shouldn't be doing that's occupying your space and you're like i know i shouldn't be doing any of this it's wasting time it's distracting it's fucking stupid it's costing me money time energy self-worth eliminate all that and only do the things that you know you know if you did would change your life if you only did that six months from now you're gonna be all alone because everybody's gonna go how the fuck did that person level up so fast? Cause I did but that's it. If people do all of that
0: and you never don't even like, don't even join any program I have, just do that. I love hearing your actionable tips of what you do in the journaling. And I think that's very valuable. Mm-hmm. I always love whenever I can get a peek into what somebody's life looks like and what got them to the point that they are today. So thank you for sharing all of that. And I have one question to wrap mm-hmm. up the episode. You are probably going to have so many answers to this question, but I would love to know what is one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning of your journey, whatever journey that is for you that you now know?
1: There's the one thing, never miss. It's the best thing I can tell people. There is, you want to have self-worth and confidence, stop missing. People don't have confidence because they know... like I said at the beginning, a loser knows they're losing, a winner knows they're winning. But you know, if you get upset because something isn't working, you already know it's because you didn't do the work. If I sat here and i went, Nicole, God, I am so thirsty. And I keep thinking that, there's fucking water right here. I know I'm not grabbing it. I can't go. I'm really thirsty. It's your fault. I have to go. But that's the mindset. Never miss. You want to win? If, that, if I would have known that 20 years ago and people go, well, that's common sense. Yeah. You're the one that's missing because if you can't take your life and like I said, briefly, I said, look at your life as a business and go, how would I annihilate my life? How would I utterly destroy my life and then find all those holes and fix them? That's what you're missing. So that one thing never miss. You go for it all in everything you've got. Don't worry about because if you give yourself options, you're fucked. It'll take 10 times longer. Never miss. Look for every way to time collapse anything you can. Pay the person. If you can find somebody that'll be like, hey, if you do this, it's going to time collapse everything. And they go, it's going to cost this much to do that. Pay them. Because the one non-refundable bank account you have is your time. You know what you could do? Earn infinitely more money. There's so much money in the economy right now. Don't be fooled. But your time, you do not get any more. Ever. So I'm like... If you were like, Trev, I can help you do this, this, and this, and it will take one year instead of 10 years. It's going to cost a hundred grand. I'm going to go, where do I send the money? Because you're giving me nine years. So I'd look for every way to time collapse and I would stop missing. I would never miss. Never. Everything I look back, everywhere I struggled was where I missed. Everywhere. Not sometimes, 100% of the time. And so is everybody else. They'll just define it differently, but it's always going to boil down to that one thing you missed. You gave yourself an option and you missed. And people go, well, what about, as soon as you start doing that, you're lying. Well, you can't say that about everything. What if you have this and what if you have that? The weakest form of any argument is to argue the extremes on either end. I have one lung. I've been through cancer four times and I'm 50. You can't say anything to me. Never miss. That would be the one thing. Look at your life and go, where am I missing? Really? Where are you missing? That's it. It'll change everything right there. So where can actually. people find you online? You go to Smashworks, S-M-A-S-H-W-E-R-X. They always spell it wrong, Smashworks. You can type in Trevor Bachmeyer, but Smashworks on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Send me a message. It is actually me. We get about, like I said, about 5,000 messages a day. I actually answer them. It's actually me. We have a huge team, but it doesn't matter. I pride myself on the fact that people matter. So if, you, if I can help you, I'm going to go, listen, how do we do this? Send me a message. I tell people join like if you aren't joining the Spartan army, you're you're crazy. Because I'll help you get to where you want to go. And I'm actually the guy that's done it from the bottom. And I'm not walking around going, let me tell you how to do my great program. Just do the work. But I'm not for everybody Because huh? I'm gonna be in your face. Because I want what you I want you to win, you know. But that's where. Go anywhere and send me a message. Ask me a question. I don't care. I'll help you out as much as I can.
0: You've just listened to the Work Wealth and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.